love with him this morning. Oh, we need love with Jesus. Oh, that's the best thing I've ever done. Amen. If you believe that today, the best thing I ever did was falling in love with Jesus. God bless you this morning. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and read from the Word this morning. That'll be all the music. Thank you for those uh, songs this morning. It's good to have each and every one of you here. Good to have. Uh, it's good to have uh, our visitors with us this morning. Good to have you this morning and make yourself feel at home. And I trust the Lord will be a blessing to you today. The Word will be a blessing to you, Sister Tracy. Good to have you back with us today. God bless you all the way back from the Philippines. And I'm Brother Paul is, is recovering from missing you. I'm sure. So, so uh, he had a hard time there without you. I, Got to have somebody take care of you, don't you? Us men, we don't we don't do well by ourselves, especially yeah. if we've been married for a while. So, we appreciate you guys being back, and each and every one of you today. And I just pray the Lord will just really bless you today. I'm going to take both services, uh, our three o'clock service as well today, and just uh, kind of dwell on the same subject. So I won't complete it this morning, uh, but I want to talk about uh, two different aspects of it, and I want to talk to you about God's great symphony this morning. And deal with the composer. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. We'll read all the way down to verse 34. Just a minute to turn. Matthew 6 24. It says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, now in your Bible that may be separated, but the 24th verse goes with the 25th verse. Because he says, therefore, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and anxiety. You can't serve God and worry. Right? One or the other. If you believe in a, in a providential, all-knowing, caring God. Yeah. Yes. And I've got to remind yes. myself of this sometimes. Yes. <laughs> then you just can't spend your life worrying about things. Yes. You can't serve one and the other. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. And if you go back in the, in the original, let's take no anxious thought. So it's not that you never think about it, but you don't worry about it. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? So in other words, if you put all of your effort and your worry and everything in it, you could never be any taller than you are. Yeah. Right, Brother David? you never be any taller than you are just by taking thought. Right? So why worry about it? Yeah, sure. Right? And, and so he says, you can't add one cubit to your stature by thought. Why take you thought for raiment? Why worry about what you're going to wear? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's why you're here this morning, isn't it? To seek yes. the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Yes. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's bow our heads together. Maybe you have a special unspoken request today you'd like to make known by way of uplifted hand. God sees each and every one of those hands this morning. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne today and thank you for your grace that you poured out on us. We thank you, Lord, because we could not do it on our own. Lord, we could not add one, one foot to our stature, Lord, one inch, Lord, but you have brought us the way that you have brought us and, and you've, you've given us food and clothing and the natural things and the spiritual things as well. We're so thankful for that today. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I know these needs that are represented are real needs that, Lord, the, by evidence of the raised hand, Lord, I pray that you'd meet every need, Lord, that you, you are the only one that can do that. And I, I pray that you would today. I know it's your desire to do that. And you're waiting, Lord, to be called on. And I pray, Lord, that we would call on you now to meet each and every one of these needs. Lord, and we, and we know that you will. I pray you'd bless these people. Move me out of the way. Speak directly to every situation that needs to be spoken to today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Life as we know it is either controlled by a supernatural God or it's completely random. Yeah. One of two things, one of those two things is true. You can't have both. It either is God or it is random. And it either, either God cares or he doesn't care. Either he, uh, either he is God and deserves to be worshipped as such and, and his word deserves to be followed as such or, uh, or there is no God and, and people can do whatever they want to do. I will say this, you don't want to see the ramifications of that thought. If you begin to think there is no God, and you begin to dwell on that and realize then there's no purpose. And if there's no purpose, then there's nothing, that, nothing good and nothing bad. And there's no wrong and there's no right. And eventually you reach a place where you can go like the young man that the other day and went into the supermarket and shot 10 people. But what was the point? You know, there's no point in existence. So you might as well just, just take what's yours and, and fight in that way. But we don't fight natural battles like that right. because we believe in a God. We believe yes. that, that God takes care of us. We believe that the complexity of life itself proves that there is a God. Just the fact that your DNA, there's something coded inside of you that actually is information. Information has to come from intelligence. It doesn't come from randomness. Right? You can take your watch and take it off if you have an old-fashioned watch that's got parts in it. You can take it off in, in pieces and yeah. put it in a bag and shake it for a million years. It would never tell time again. Why? Because it took intelligence to put the pieces together right. in order for it to work like yeah. your body works, like the world works. It takes a God to be able to do that. Yeah. 
And so if there's a God like that, if there is a God like that, and we believe that there is, yes. then there, that God must care for you. Yes. He must have things in his control. And so the Bible tells us this, that not only, not only are the big things controlled by God, because that's where sometimes people leave it, they're kind of agnostic in that way. They think, well, there's a God, but he doesn't really care about the minute details of my life. But if you begin to look at it and realize that God, if he is God, if he is all-knowing, if he is everywhere, if he does know everything and, and, and have everything in his, in his grasp, then every detail of life is controlled by his action or inaction because of who he is. And so Luke 12 and 6 tells us this, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Yeah. Just right. think of that, the magnitude of that thought. There are billions of birds on the earth today, billions of them. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And billions upon billions and perhaps trillions of birds have been, have been on the earth in the last 6,000 years. Think about it. All of those birds have been counted, yep. yes. and their entire life has been seen by God. Yep. Yes. Right. right? Not one of them is forgotten. He knows every bird. And if you had time, he could tell you the details of its birth and how it flew and what, was, what happened to it. He, knew it. he knew it when it was born, everything about it, and all the way to the end. You say, the birds? That's what the Bible says. He has not forgotten one of them. Right? Every little sparrow that you see out here, he knows every, every life, every, every form of life that there is. He knows everything about it. Not one of them is forgotten before God. He said, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Right. Now, Brother JT, for some of us, that's easier than for others. <laughs> but even the ones that we've lost, yes. <laughs> where are they at? There have to be somewhere. He knows where they are. Yeah. Right? He knows where they are. He, he counts them. He knows how many you have on your head right now, how many you had five years ago, 20 years ago. He, he counts the hairs of your head. And it doesn't bother him a bit. Right? You think about it. You try to make a calculation. You know, somebody who's very good at math can make a calculation, and they can go into that. And I look at my kids' math. Sometimes they bring home from school, and I can't hardly handle that. You know, I, I look at it, and I, I never did go that far in math, and they're doing algebra, and, and Esther has is, is, uh, finished uh, six in her class in, in algebra, I think it was, out of 100-and-something students, and I look at that. I couldn't do what she did three years ago. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And, and I begin to look at that and, and think, well, but, but to her it makes sense, and she can keep track of it, but think how much more. Yeah. If you look at what we know compared to what God knows. Yeah. Our knowledge is limited. But a person who's good at that, they can just rattle it off. Yes. They know. They have a knowledge. They have yes. a gift to be able to do that. And so God has the knowledge. He has all knowledge. He knows things that we can't even comprehend. We don't think like he does. And so we just have to trust him. So we know then that according to the scriptures, we are not in control of our lives. We're simply acting on our part. So Brother Branham likened that to a great symphony orchestra or an orchestra that was playing a symphony like in particular Peter and the Wolf. If you've ever seen that, it's a children's symphony, Peter and the Wolf. And it's amazing that how it's acted out yeah. by the instruments and by the music so that there's no words, 
but yet when you're listening to it and you, and you know it, you know what's going to happen next because you can feel it through the music itself. And life is like that, that we're all acting out a part and God is the composer of life. He's the composer of this great symphony. So Brother Branham says it this way, talking about in a New Year's sermon, he said, the New Year, I don't know what it holds, but I know he holds it. Can we say amen to that today? He said, that's the hopes of New Year I have. If he comes, amen. If he doesn't come, I'll still be working if he spares me. I just trust the future to him. I don't know what it is. He said, I just trust it to him. He said, you've seen him vindicate his word, so you know it's going to be done, his word. You say, Brother Branham, how do you get that? Well, let me give some thought here just a minute. Do you know what a symphony is? It's a music. It's a drama. They act it out, and he gives the example of Peter and the wolf. He said, now, do you adults the scriptures, God's symphony? Only the composer knows what it really means. Yes. Yes. Right? The composer knows. Yes. I, I'm not born with the knowledge or with the brain power yeah. to know what it really means. Yeah. But the composer knows. He wrote the music. Yes. And he knows why he wrote it and why the chord progressions are the way that they are and why, why it's in the key that it's him. He knows why he did what he did. Yeah. Right. And so... We don't understand that, but he'll reveal that to us. Yes. Only the composer knows what it really means. He reveals it to those who are listening. Yes, now watch, that's the key. Who are interested yes, in knowing what the drama is. Yes. Yes. So if you're interested in that today, if you want to know what God wants known by his word, you wouldn't necessarily go to a scholar somewhere, but you go to the composer himself, yeah. and you'd find out, how do you want me to interpret the word? Right? How do you want it played? How do you want it lived? Because the word is more than just a, uh, something that we read and something that uh, it's a good thought that we have. But when we read about, he said, take no thought for tomorrow. We say, Lord, how do you want that lived out? Yeah. Right? You want that lived out in, in my life. How do you want it lived out? Well, you wouldn't go to me necessarily or to another person to find out. You would go to the composer. Yeah. Right? And find out how he wants it played now and and so he writes the music in the book or on the sheet music but now he's got a certain idea of how he wants it played he said but you'd have to know about a symphony first he said it's not just something you see it's the changing the junctions of the word of the music and you know that symphonies are written in different parts Right? There'll be a, a part, and then the music will slow down. Maybe it'll stop, and then it'll go into another part. And today, in, in popular music today, we have verses and, and a chorus. But it's, it's leading to something, and, and, and it's telling a story. As you go through it, that song that Brother Joel sang earlier, uh, it was telling a story about the resurrection of the dead, dead girl. Yeah. If you think about that, it's telling that. And, and so the song is getting to the, to the part where it says, I was like that little girl. And, and so it's applying it then. So there's a historical verse and then an application verse. Yeah. And, and so it's doing something, but it's a change. There's a difference in, in the historical verse and the application verse. And then the chorus to bring it all together. Now, he said it's not just something you see. It's the changing, the junctions of the music. He said it throws, sometimes it's going this way for a while, a certain beat. After a while, it changes all around. What is it? To you who wouldn't understand it or don't know nothing about it or not interested in it, it's just a racket, it's a fuss. Right? And 
that's what the preaching of the word. Now, the preaching of the word, and I know it's hard sometimes to understand why we preach and what we preach and, and try to follow a preacher who's speaking fast and spitting all over the place. It's hard to understand. But the Bible tells us that the preaching of the cross would be foolishness to the world. Right? And, and a stumbling block to the Jews. But, but he said, but through the foolishness of preaching, God chose to save those who would believe. Not through foolish preaching, but through the foolishness of preaching. The very act of preaching itself. But you who are interested, if you're interested in knowing what God says, then you would, you would hear a preacher. Now, not everything the preacher says is correct, but when that preacher lines up with the word, yeah. then you know that God is interpreting his word to you. Yes, sir. Right. Now, now watch. Now, he said uh, it, it's a fuss to some people. It don't make any sense. But to those who know about it, they're watching for it. They know it's coming. So we have these times of symphonies, the symphony of God's word, that the whole drama changes. He said, you who are interested, listen for that change. Oh, my. You know it's getting close. He said, you hear the way the drums are beating. He said, you want something to happen. You know this is a change, right? The drums are beating. And remember, God's not just in control of you and me, but he's in control of the whole world. He allows everything to happen the way that it does. And so the entire thing, whenever you walk out in nature, when you go out among the people and you see the way the people are and the Bible tells you what the people would be like in the last days, you can look at it and see that the symphony was meant to be a certain way. And when you look around you, you can see, well, what time do we live in? Well, the drums are beating a certain way. And you can feel it moving up towards an end point, moving up to a crescendo. And you're finally getting up to that place. And finally, you get to a place where you realize, hey, hey, there's, there's going to be a change here. You anticipate it because one key or one chord and one, one note leads to another. Yeah. Right? And we'll talk maybe a little bit about that tonight. But, but you realize in music that one note calls for another note. And that's why it sounds wrong when you play the wrong one. Right? Why does it sound wrong? Because there's something in your brain that a creator put there to appreciate music. And so when, if a piano player was playing and they would hit a wrong note or, or play a chord that doesn't go after another chord and you hear, heard it, it'd make you cringe. Why? Most people anyway. Why would it do that? It would do that because there's something in your brain that's wired to expect something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. If we could just realize that the word is that way as well. That there's, when we, when we see God interpreting his word by bringing it to pass, right? And we see that some things have happened, a prophet has come, and the people are a certain way, and the world is a certain way, and the churches are a certain way. And we look all around us and see we're living in the days of Sodom, and we see Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So we look at that and we begin to realize there's something going to change. Right? There's a change coming. Well, what change are we looking for now? We're looking for the rapture of the church. Right? Yes. right? We're looking for a body change. Because yes. that's the change. You see the drumbeat, the crescendo, it's building up to that. And even people in the world can see it. It's a, it's a crazy hour. Yes. The world's gone nuts. Yes. Why, do they, why do people live like they do? Why is there so much people that don't care? Why is there so much of right. sin on the earth today? Well, the Bible tells us it'll increase and increase until the end. But when the end when the end's about to come, you feel the, the pulsation of it, the beat of it. And you look into the Word and you can see something's going to happen. Yes. Oh, my. I believe we're living in those times. 
He said, you hear the way the drums are beating. Want something to happen. You know this is a change. It's going to break out in a burst in a few minutes. And you're watching for it. You can tell the way the drums are timing. He said, if you can hear the drums of the finish now. If you can hear the echo. Oh, how many of you can hear the drums of the finish this morning? You can hear the echo of the music of the heavenly word singing itself out. And it shall come to pass in the last days. The symphony of God's great drama that he's playing. Now notice he says it changes him. Because he's the main actor. Now think about it. Well, Again, we'll talk more about that tonight. But he changes from glory to glory. Christ was God with a different mask on. If we could put it like that. Right? It was God robed in flesh. He did appear as a pillar of fire. He did appear as Jehovah God in the Old Testament. Now, but now Christ is God with a mask on. He's a great actor in the symphony. He's acting out in the drama or in the play. According and the music is playing. And the people are doing what they're doing. But he come right at the time that he was supposed to come. When the world was falling apart in that time he came. And he'll come this time, the second time, in the time when he was supposed to come. Yes. Amen. So now he says he knows all about it. And, and he says that the, the symphony of God's great drama that he's playing, it changes him, his symphony at the junction. The composer and those who are interested, listen for the change. He said that's what all this stuff is to us. We're listening. We're watching. Every time he appears, something happens. We see the time getting close. He said, remember, the composer knows the end from the beginning. Right. Yeah. We don't because we haven't heard the song before. Right. right. We've got the music. The sheet music, yeah. but we've never heard it. Amen. Come on, oh, I hope you're listening to me now. He said, you begin to listen to the music and you know what it is. You know just about, here's where certain, certain things are taking place. Now it's got to change. Now to anybody else that don't know nothing about, just walked in and sat down, it's just a bunch of nonsense, rattling noise. But the one who knows what it is, it's beat out with the music, drummed out with the notes, it's trumpeted with the trumpets, it's strung on the harp, it's played with the violin, yep. it's beat on the bass, it's sounded by the trumpets, it's beat on the drums, the whole thing together in rhythm, and it makes a drama to you. You can close your eyes yeah. and live in it. All right. yeah. Oh my. Now who is the composer? The composer is the creator of the music. Yeah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12. The composer is the creator of the music. He says, I love this chapter and I couldn't just read a couple of verses. I, I think we need to comprehend what the prophet is saying here, the prophet Isaiah. He says, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And meted out heaven with the span. Measured the universe. And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. As if God was a scientist in a lab. Right? And he's got the waters in his hand. And he's got the dust in a, in a measuring jar. A measuring cup. And he's weighed the mountains on scales. Think about the Alps. The Rocky Mountains, some great mountain range. God's got them on his scales. And the hills in a balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? You ever told God what to do? You won't. You may try. But God laughs when we tell him our plans. You can't tell God what to do. Say, so God... You, and I've seen that sometimes in Pentecostal realms, and, and I, we're a little Pentecostal ourselves, I guess. And, 
But I've seen it where people demand God. You, God, you must do this. God, we demand that you do this. You don't demand God. You come and remind God of his word. God, you said. Right? You said you would do it. You said you would do it. And so, and so but we want to demand God. He said, who directed the spirit of the Lord? You didn't tell him what to do. Huh? You, you, don't even, you can't even know what tomorrow holds. You don't know. What, even what to the rest of the day holds, but he knows. Yeah. Or being his counselor hath taught him. In other words, who, who said to him now, God, you don't know everything, so I'm going to tell you. Now, isn't that ridiculous? On our part, wouldn't that be ridiculous to sit there and say, God, you don't know everything, so I'm going to tell you. I'm going to just pull it out of my own mind. Yeah. That's, that's not what we do with God. We trust him. Yeah. He said, with whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? He said, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket yeah. and are counted as the small dust of the balance. In other words, what's left over after you've weighed something. The small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. The continents. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. He said, you're going to make a sacrifice to God that God will be pleased with, and you're just going to make it up? Lebanon's not sufficient to burn. The famous cedars of Lebanon was a great forested country there. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. You don't get to make those things up. You do what he asks. Right? All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing. And vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to make God something? No, God reveals himself. Yes. Oh my. What will you liken God to? He said the workman melteth. This was back in the days of idolatry. When they would have an image. Then they said that's God. Yeah. The workman melteth a graven image. And the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold. And casteth silver chains. It says, he that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation. In other words, he don't even have money for an offering. But yet, being poor, and you see this in poor countries, many times they're overtaken by churches and religions that make them perform all of these things and give all their money to the church or to the religion. And it's very sad. He that is so impoverished, he hath no oblation, chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks unto him a cunning workman. He spends all his money and his time to find somebody to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. He wants something solid. He tries to set it up in his house. He said, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Now watch. They didn't know. Scientists in that day, in fact, for several thousand years, they didn't know the earth was round. But Isaiah said, he sat on the circle of the earth. Oh my. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. He said, have you not heard of him? You want to set up an idol, try to make him into the image of what you want him to be? And that's what so many people do today is try to take this great composer and say, now I want you to play the music this way. I want you to, I want you to apply it this way. I want you to interpret it this way. We don't get to do that. He's the composer. He's the creator. Right? And so we don't get to tell him what to do and how to do it. 
right? God is sovereign. Yeah. Right? What that means is he, no one tells him what to do. Right? We don't get to tell him what to do. But he has every right to tell us what to do. Right. Yeah. Everybody said, well, I'm a sovereign citizen. That may be true in a nation. But it's not true when it comes to God. You, get, you have to work with God. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, you don't get to work and live life apart from Him. If you think you do, it's just that much more sad in the end because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is God. He is Lord. Now watch. He sits on the circle of the earth and the inhabitants are as grasshoppers and he stretches the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth as vanity. He got control over the presidents and the, uh, and the hierarchies and the bishops and all the things of the earth. Yeah. Right? Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. He shall also blow upon them and they shall wither. The whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Imagine a king of that day would stand up and say, I'm going to, have a king. I'm going to be a king like Saul as we've been studying Saul on Wednesday night. That, that he would stand up there and say, I'm going to have a line of people that's, and my kids are going to rule Israel forever. My kids are going to rule this nation. I'm going to have a dynasty. God rules. Amen. Right? Yeah. Events can take place so that every one of them, you may not, you're, you're not promised, you, you may not have any children. The ones that you have may be taken away. You don't know. God controls those things. He says, now, uh, to whom will you liken me, or, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. I love the way he says that. Shall, he didn't say, shall I be equal to what? Shall I be equal yeah. to anything? <laughs> Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? Look up from your drudgery. Look up from the everyday life that you go through. I know life is hard. I know you go through things. I know you suffer at your work many times. You suffer in your bodies. You suffer with persecution and people that don't understand why you do the way that you do and live the way that you live. Why you would go to church, people don't understand. I know people suffer with that. But yet at the same time, look above that today. Yeah. Lift your eyes above the suffering. Lift your eyes above the pain. Lift your eyes above what you're going through, the tiredness of your body. Lift your eyes above that. Lift your eyes on high and behold. Who has created these things yes. that bringeth out their host by number, that he calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Oh my, not one faileth. Yes. Who invented the law of gravity? <laughs> and why is it only on the earth and not in the not in the heavens? Think about it. Who made earth hospitable for life? I know I'm talking big picture today, but I wish we would think big picture sometimes. We get so caught up in the minute details of every little thing and get so angry over how things, well, this isn't right and this isn't right. Lift up your eyes. Think about the big picture for a minute. We serve a great God. Behold who has created these things. That bringeth out their hosts by number, calls them by names every star. And there's billions upon billions of stars. They, they've never found the end of the solar system or, or, or the, uh, the uh, universe. They've never found an end to it. System after system after system. And yet they've also never found life on another place. I don't say that there couldn't be life somewhere else. But this is the only planet that they've ever found it on. Why? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Lift up your eyes on high. Not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? Now he's going to bring it down to the level of, of his children. He said, my way is hid from the Lord. Why do you say that? My judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Oh, I love this. He gives power to the faint. Are you faint this morning? Do you feel weak? The composer gives power to the faint. He knows when to bring the right amount of instruction, the right amount of encouragement into your life to make you to where you're able to make it one more day. He gives power to the faint, and to them that has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait, now think about it, they that wait, they that are patient, they that serve God, they that, they that follow his instruction, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. That's a promise of God. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, who, who is he? He's the creator. Yeah. Who is this composer? He's also the conductor. Yeah. Think about it for a moment. He's a creator. He also conducts the music. Many times in history, great composers have also been great conductors. Bach and Beethoven and the different, the different uh, uh, great, the great uh, musicians and great uh, composers of the days gone by. They've also been great conductors. Uh, today, I think it's John Williams that conducts his own orchestra, different ones, great musicians, great composers, yeah. conduct their own orchestra. And if you ever watch one, you go on YouTube and watch a, a, a conductor who also composed the music, there's something different about it. He does it the way he wants it done. Yeah. He does it exactly in the way that it ought to be done. Now, a conductor serves as a messenger for the composer. It's their responsibility to understand the music and convey it through gesture. That's why he's up there doing this. I know I'm not doing that right, but right? he's got the baton, so the single baton, you know? And he'll stand on a box or on a little stool. If he's not tall enough, he'll get up there and, and just do like this. Well, what's he doing? He's conducting, and he'll go, at times he'll go real slow, and at times he'll speed it up, and at times he'll go real fast. Right? And, and what's he doing? He's, he's conducting not only the beat of the music, but the mood and the feeling of the music. Are you still with me this morning? Just bear with me. I don't, I, if, if, you, um, if you get tired, get up and get a drink, move around a little bit. I'm not going to hold you that long. we got tonight to finish it. But I just want to get this part of this thought out. Now look, it's, a, it's the conductor's responsibility to understand the music, convey it through gesture so transparently that the musicians in the orchestra understand it perfectly. And then those musicians can transmit a unified vision of the music to the audience. Now notice, he is the conductor. What did God do when he needed a conductor? Who's he going to find? Because Moses was a great prophet, but he could not perfectly conduct God's people. Are you with me now? Isaiah was a great prophet. Jeremiah was a great prophet. Ezekiel was a great prophet. But he could not perfectly conduct the music. None of them were without sin. Right? And sin is missing the mark. It's getting off of the music. 
right? And so each one of them had made a mistake. Every one of them made mistakes. So God came down. It was his purpose that the music would be lived. That it would be manifested in such a real way. That it would be conducted in such a real way that he came down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and showed it to us. Played it for us. He come down in a body of flesh in a woman called Mary, a virgin girl. And he come down into that body. The great truth of, of God coming down and condescending down into the body of a woman. And he comes down on our level and he conducts the music from the earth. <laughs> and every move that he made was perfect. Oh, if we could say it like this, the father looked down and said, there, my son conducting. Right? It's God in flesh. Yes. Right? But he separates. God can separate himself without diminishing himself. Right. Yes, sir. Because, he's, because he, he's not a limited number. See, if we separate ourselves, there'd, there'd be a diminished thing. Right. Right? But God separates himself. There's no diminishment because he's limitless to begin with. Yeah. Sure. Right? That's why he can make the fish and the loaves. He separates the fish and there's just more fish. He's God. Yeah. And so he looked at him and said, this is my beloved son. Yeah. Right? Who plays the music perfectly. Right. Who conducts it perfectly. Yes. And the disciples followed him because they recognized here is a conductor that can conduct the music in such a way that will make us able to live it. It will make us put a reality in it that will heal the sick, that will raise the dead. A conductor that can bring us right exactly where we want him to be. But Jesus began to tell him, he said, he said i got to go away. It's expedient for you that I go away. And he tells him this in John 14, 18. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. That word is orphanos. I'm not going to leave you without a conductor. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. He said, I will come to you. These things have I spoken unto you, verse 25, being yet present with you. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Now remember what he just said. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come. Yes. And now he speaks as if it's another, another person, another event. He said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Yes. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, yes. neither let it be afraid. The conductor is here. So I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I, I'm frozen playing the violin. I'm frozen at the drums. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but the conductor is here. Yes. He said, I'm not going to leave you without a conductor. All right. Hallelujah. And he said, peace I leave with you. I'm going to leave peace with you. My, my peace I've given to you. He said, I'm not going to leave you without this peace. I'm not going to leave you without my person being with you. John chapter 16 and verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But see, listen, remember, the disciples could not play the music perfectly, even though they had the perfect conductor. But he said, now I'm going to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. He said, I'm going to do something different. If I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. 
when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Again, in John 16, 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. He's going to be perfectly in tune with the composer. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while and you shall not see me. And again a little while you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Now what is that? What conductor? What, what, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy, Holy Ghost. Brother Branham likened that to the mainspring in a famous watch, in an old-fashioned watch that, would, uh, that, would, that you'd have to wind up. It had a mainspring in it. And the mainspring sits in the middle of the watch and controls every movement of the watch. He said, and the Holy Spirit is in the middle of your spirit. The watch spring makes all the rest of the movements just kick just exactly to place, keeping perfect time. So before Pentecost, the disciples could not even fulfill the command of Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel in every nation. They could not fulfill that command. These signs shall follow them that believe they couldn't do it. But at Pentecost, something happened. There came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they were sitting, and tongues of fire separated. A pillar of fire sat down on each one of them. And when that pillar of fire, that, that God, that Holy Ghost come down on the inside of them, all of a sudden they could go by the gate beautiful. And when the lame man was sitting there, they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give. Why, they could play the music the way God wanted it to be played because of the Holy Ghost. Now, again, liking it to the watch, it's the mainspring that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. It isn't your church that does it. It isn't your pastor that does it. It isn't your shouting that does it. It isn't your speaking with tongues that does it. It isn't your healing service that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. God's Holy Spirit in the middle of your new spirit, it makes the whole church operate just exactly one big bundle of love. Oh, what a wonderful way to describe a church. I don't always feel like that. Well, that's, that's what we're striving for. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit that does it. Now, what, what are this conductor's responsibilities? He, number one, he, and, and the composer, again, is the conductor. He come down. He said, I'll come to you. He's also the conductor. What are his responsibilities? He chooses the time and the place. He even chooses the venue. The house that the music's going to be played in. He wants it to represent who he is. We've touched on it recently, but in Galatians 1.15, Paul said, When it pleased God, when it pleased God, he separated me from my mother's womb, but it, when it pleased him, he called me by his grace. Right? When it pleased God. We don't have any say in when we're saved. Right? You said, well, I, I, I sought God. You did only because he sought you. Right. If you had a desire to be in church this morning, that didn't come from you. Right. It come from God, Amen. the composer. And you ought to be thankful for that. Amen. Right? Because that, that, that's something that God puts in you. Not everybody has that desire to seek God and to be in the house of God. But that's, that's something he, he's called you when it pleased God. So that's his, his responsibility to choose the time and the place. 
Listen, you're a gene of your father. You were in your father, yet your father had no fellowship with you. He was in there, but you knew it not, and he didn't know it. But you was manifested that he might have fellowship with you. And you being born again, you're born of eternal life. How many believe that today? You're born again. You're born of eternal life. That's the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. And the only form of, there's only one form of eternal life. That's God's life, Zoe. It's the Greek word for it, Zoe. Only one form of eternal life. He said, then if you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you were in God all the time. Right? But he knew what bed and time you'd be planted. See, the difference in God and me is I didn't know. I didn't have any control. When I was a young man, I had no control. I didn't know when I'd get married. I didn't know anything about it. I finally come to find a wife that I loved, and she loved me, and she, she was uh, suitable for marriage, and I was suitable, I guess, at the time for marriage. And, and so we got married, and, and we got married and had children. But we really, we tried to plan the best we could for our children and, and plan our family and things, but we didn't know those things. We, we had no control, no real control. You don't realize how little control you have till you stand in a delivery room and you can't make the baby live. <laughs> you realize that? You can't make the baby live. The baby has to live. The baby has to grab that breath of life. Right? You can't make that happen. No control over that. And so, but you're a son or daughter of God, but God knew what bed and time, speaking of like a, like a, the, a seed bed, like a a uh, garden bed. Right. He knew what bed and time you'd be planted in. Yes, right? And so now he said you're made a creature, a son of God, manifested son or daughter of God to meet the challenge of this hour. So he knew what bed and he planned what bed and he knew what garden you would grow in and what, what the time would be like and what the people would be like and what the earth would be like at that time. And he made you for this time. You say, Brother Ben, I can't do it. I can't live as a Christian. The pressure's too hard. It's too much. No, he made you for this time. Yes, sir. If you're a son or daughter of God that has his genes, in other words, his, and his genes are his thoughts. You understand his, his, uh, uh, his, his, his seed is his thought that he expressed in you. When he expressed his thought in you, he thought of you and he said, you're going to be in Laodicea. You're going to be at a certain time. You're going to live in 2022. You're going to live and you're going to go to church in a certain place and you're going to come up in a certain area. God knew that you would be here, not only knew, but planned for you to be here. And when he planned for you to be here, he was choosing the time and the place that the music would be played. Right. Hey, man. Listen, to vindicate, to meet the challenge of this hour. You say, but this part of the music is harder. But he planned to have musicians. Listen to me. That could play that part. Yes. Yes. You choose certain musicians because you know it's not too hard. They can do it. Oh, and I'm here to tell you today, if you're here, sitting here in the house of God, you can do it. It's not too hard to be a Christian. It's not too hard to follow God. Because he chose you to be here. He chooses the instruments and the musicians. You know, you're expressed after his word is coming you to light up this age. You're to light up the age, not darken it. Light it up. You're the expressing God's life in you because you're a son or daughter of God. You are now made. You're sitting in this church today because your duty is to express God to this nation, to this people, this neighborhood where you associate. Wherever you are, God knew that you would be here because you have to be one of his genes or his attributes. You have to be, if you ever, if you've got eternal life, it always was eternal life. And God, before there was a foundation of the world, knew that you would be here. We know the Bible teaches that. He said, I don't hardly understand how that we could think that a God that could prepare all these good things for us, we could not put trust in him. That if he brought us in this chaos that we're in now, 
and prepared the good things of life for us here. How much more can we trust him to prepare the things that is to come? Hallelujah, eternal things. And the Bible tells us in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. For you. Listen, for you individually. He wasn't just saying that for the, as a general thing. For a church, for you individually. He said, therefore, the bride and the rapture will come forth. There is all pre-planned by God, all backed up from the beginning. He knew every man, every place who would set, all about it. It's all pre-planned. God knew it would be here. And he made it that way. So when we get there, he's gone to prepare a place for us. And when we get there, it'll all be prepared just even like this night or this day is prepared, like this hour is prepared. And so the Bible tells us in Psalm 75, and I'm hurrying now to get to the end this morning of this part of this. He said, lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Christians are not revolutionaries. Right? We don't go out and join militia groups to try to bring down the nation. Not according to Scripture. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Right. Well, what a way to look at the world. Yes. The powers that be are ordained of God. It doesn't mean they're godly, right. by the way. Yes, but they're ordained of God. Right. God needed that power in that place at that time to produce this world that we live in. So the music would be right. You don't think he's got control of every moment of the symphony? Of every tone, of every tune, of every note? How does he conduct? He conducts by the written music, which is the word of God. Psalms 119, 105. Said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Lighted to my past. So the first thing he does is he puts the music on, on the written form and he puts it down in front of you. Now you've got to trust that. Right? If you don't trust that, uh, then you'll never be able to play the music. You've got to trust the written music, the sheet music. And he put it down in front of you. And, and so if you find a person, get up and say, well, now that was for the apostolic age. So if there's something written in the music that we're supposed to do, and they say, well, it was for the apostolic age, that would make you pause. Wait a minute, but you've got a wrong conductor. Right? You're listening to the wrong conductor. He said, now, right quick, if you've received the Holy Spirit, you've been endowed with that sense that sets it off. There's something wrong there. They try to explain it away. This for another day. You really don't need those things today. But Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Yeah. See, there's a little something sets off in you, a little buzzer, yeah. knowing that that's wrong and that's the way of death. The conductor gets off his little buzzer. Why, you've got the sheet music. Yes. Yeah. Right. He said, because Jesus said, if we add one word to this or take one word from it, our part is taken out of the book of life. See, not one scripture. We must take it just the way it's written. And God watches over his word. Oh, I love this. God watches over his word to perform it. The same way that the conductor would watch over the, the orchestra to perform the music. God watches over his word to perform it. And we know that it's got to be just right. So therefore, no matter what a church would say, what anyone else would say, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you become part of the Bible. God told Ezekiel the prophet, take the scroll and eat it. Then the prophet and the scroll become part of each other. And that's the believer. When he receives the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, and the Spirit of God is the Word of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Now, he, he's conducting. Yeah. How else does he conduct? Conducts by his presence and movement. I want to hit this now before we go. The composer-conductor is present in the room. 
He doesn't give them the sheet music and then leave. <laughs> but he walks up in front of them. And he takes the same music. Oh, God. Now, no, that's not me, right? I know I'm standing in front of you today, and this is like an orchestra, like laid out like this. But no, I'm not the composer-conductor. It's the Holy Spirit. But he, he's in the room. Now, notice what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20. He said, for where two or three, we got that today, right? Are gathered together in my name. Now, I misquote this sometimes. Sometimes I misquote this. I say, I will be. Right? Christ will be in the midst. That's not what he said. There am I. Now that's different. I will be speaks of him being there in the future. So we're looking for him to come. Right? But that's not what he said. He said when two or three are gathered together, there am I. It means he's here right now. Right? I'm not waiting on him to come. And you've got to believe that. And if you can believe that, yes. he is here. Right. What did Brother Branham do? What was the purpose of Brother Branham's ministry? It was to show the people that he was there. Yep. Yes. That's why he could tell a person's name and their address, where they come from, and, and discern those spirits, have those visions. It wasn't to show Brother Branham. It was to show that he was there. Yes. Oh, God. There, there am I yeah. in the midst of them. Good. Pentecost was the first time that they ever felt his presence after he left. Right? Here, here they were standing there in the upper room, and all of a sudden they feel the presence. And Brother Branham told us this. I'm closing in just a moment. Brother Branham told us this. If you feel his presence, yes, sir. go to him. If you feel his presence, yes. if you know that he's there, and you see him there in the word. He said the word, and the word is the spirit. The spirit is the word. Yes. If you see him in his word, and you know he's there, then go to him. How do I go to him? You touch by faith the hem of his garment. If you feel his presence, go to him. Yeah. Oh, God. Blind Bartimaeus went to him by his faith by crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The woman with an issue of blood went to him by running and jumping and going under all the things. See, there's different ways you may have to do to get to him. But if you feel his presence, go to him. Yes. And she yes. ran and jumped and crawled under people and everything else to press her way, the Bible says, through the crowd. To touch the hem of his garment, which you'd have never felt in the flesh. But he felt it. Amen. He felt it because it was, it was something when she touched him. He felt her faith. Yes. Oh, God. He can feel that same faith today. He's still here. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The conductor is here. And when you feel his presence, watch what he's doing. You sense his movement. Feel his presence go to him. A man that believes in God. How many believers do we have today? Yes. If you believe in God, then you can see the presence of God. Feel the presence of God. Sense the presence of God. And know he's here. Sometimes that'll make you shout and run, but many times when you feel his presence, it'll make you say like Isaiah, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And it took before he could go out and do what God told him to do. He was willing. He said, here am I, send me. And the cherubim took a coal of fire off the altar and put it on his lips. Yes. He was in the presence of God. He's here. A man can, that can, feel, can see the presence of God, can feel the presence of God, sense the presence of God, know he's here. He's here to answer everything that he made promise for in this day. Yes. 
Brother Branham again, he said, oh, the greatest pleasure I know of is to pray until I can realize I'm in the presence of God and recognize it. How many can do that? I wonder how many of us really pray until we can feel the presence of God, until we can recognize it. Oh, God. Feel His presence. Recognize it. And he said, he said I, I think that that ought to be the thrill of the church. Yes. Not that some fantastic speaker come. Not that some, not that some a great song was played. And it was played so, sung so eloquently and played so well. That's not what it's about. But it's God being present with us. And when we pray until we can feel his presence and we recognize it, he said that ought to be the thrill of the church. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Seeing the God that made the promise standing among us, feel his presence and see his word. See it vindicated it ought to give faith to make cripples walk, blind see, deaf hear, dumb speak. Amen. Do you believe it today? Do you believe it today? If you believe it, if you say, well, I know he's here because his word said where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. There am I in the midst of him. If you believe that and you believe he's here today, then you believe the conductor is standing in front of you today. Not me, but the Holy Spirit is here today. If you believe that, what do you have need of? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm challenging you this morning. What do you have? Because the Lord, the Lord asked me to do this today. and I, I just have to do what he tells me to do. I'm challenging you today. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. If you believe it, he's kept his word. He is here today. Then all things are possible. Do you believe that today, church? What do you have need of? What is there in your life? What do you have? What are you anxious about? What is there coming tomorrow that you're worried about? What are you worried about at school? What are you worried about at work? What are you worried about? He said, take no thought for tomorrow because the sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. What is it that's weighing you down today? He is here. And if he is here, you can have it. I don't think we realize it. I don't think we recognize it. If you could just, we reached the spot, Brother Joel, you were there. We were at a camp meeting, and, and there wasn't going to be a prayer line that night, but there was impromptu, it ended up being three. We were at a camp meeting in a tent with about 400 young people, and we're sitting there, and to reach the spot in that meeting, a Brother Andrew Glover was preaching. Yep. And to reach the spot in that meeting, right at the end of the service, where if the people would just receive, yep. they could have it. Yes, sir. And I watched some that did, but I watched others that wait because they think, well, I've got to wait for the prayer line. I've got to wait for this to happen. I've got to wait for that. Yeah. And, and I, told, I talked to Brother Wendell afterwards, the pastor there. I talked to him. I said, Brother Wendell, if they would have just yes. received it right then, yes. yeah. that would have been it. Yeah. He was there. Yeah. But he's here today. Yes. Oh, my. What do you have need of? Musicians, would you come? What do you have need of? I want you to really think about that. Say, well, Brother Ben, I've been told that before. You didn't believe it like you should. Because if we really believed in the presence of the Lord Jesus, that he was here, we'd never walk out with what we came in with. <laughs> we'd never walk out with what we came in with. All of our burdens and our fears and our worry and our cares. He said, well, I came in sick and, and I didn't feel anything. But the, he's here. Yes, sir. He didn't say, did you feel it, but do you believe it? Amen. If you believe it, you can walk away. Whole. Oh. If you believe it, I'm not going to call a prayer line or have a healing service this morning. I want you to believe that he's here. Yes. Yes. 
And if he's here, all things are possible. Yes, sir. Oh, my. Can we sing there's power in the name of Jesus? To break every chain. Amen. Let's just believe that. Would you stand with me for a moment? And I want you to, I want you to believe it. I want you to believe it. The way he struck my heart at 3 o'clock in the morning the other day. And I got up and I began to type these things. And, and I've said it many times before, but it just really struck me in a, in a supernatural way. If you're here, Lord, you can do it. If you're here, all things are possible. I'm very conscious of my own littleness. Very conscious of the fact that I don't have the natural abilities that it would take maybe to be a great pastor or a great preacher. I'm very conscious of that. But I do know that if He is here, and if I can ever break into the realm of His presence, all things are possible. If I can ever by prayer reach out and grab a hold by faith of that, He is here. Then I'm not limited to my abilities or disabilities. He is here. Then I can reach out and touch Him. Do you need salvation today? Would you raise your hand and just touch Him? Do you need healing? Raise your hands and touch Him today. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Whatever it is that you're struggling with today, He's here. The conductor is here. And the conductor, by the Spirit of the Word, is calling you, saying, raise your hands to me. Believe me, and I'll give it to you. Amen. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Do you believe it today? Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Why don't you believe if you believe it? If you can sense His presence, if you believe Him today, why don't you worship Him? Why don't you worship Him for what He's done? He's already done it. He, he, he's here. Then just worship Him for it. Lord, I believe. I believe today. I believe you've done it. I believe you're here. I believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Sing that again. Oh, there is power. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, do you believe it today? There is power. Let him break every chain. Let him break every chain. Let him get rid of every evil thought. Everything that would exalt itself against God. There is power in the name of Jesus. If you need special prayer for something, the altar's open. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. You can receive it right where you're at if you believe it today. Break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, break every chain. There's a pride rising up. Oh, there's a pride. Oh, rising up. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, there's a pride. She's rising up. Oh, yes, there is. She's been promised to do it. Oh, she'll break every chain. She'll break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, let him do it this morning. Don't stop. Let him do it. Surrender yourself to the composer today. Lord, I believe. Help out my unbelief. I believe, Lord. Oh, there's an army. Thank you, Lord. There's an army rising up. Oh, are you part of that army today? Believe it and receive it now. There's an army. Right.